Welcome everyone to River Valley Community Church. Uh, so glad to see everyone this morning. Welcome home family. In a moment, we're going to continue our series going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. So here are your Bibles. You can open up to that. If you don't, don't worry. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Therefore, I thank you so much for this time when we can gather together as your people and praise your holy name. Lord, I just pray for our time that we can focus on you and see your truth through your word. That we can see how we're supposed to respond to how you have saved us and how you have moved in our lives. Lord, I ask that you continue to enlighten our minds with your truth through your holy word. That you continue to grow us into the image of your son. That you continue to make us your people as we know you are. Lord, we love you. We seek you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. About 11 miles off the north coast of Scotland, there exists the oldest lighthouse that is constantly being hit by the sea. It's called Bell Rock Lighthouse. It stood for, for over 211 years as the North Sea has just pummeled it with storm, with waves, with all sorts of mad things, but it stood the test of time no matter what it seems like the North Sea could throw at it. And there's something that kind of inspires the soul when you think of these monuments or these uh, big things that stand the test of time and can endure all sorts of things that come against it. When you look at big cliff peaks and see how they just stood there seemingly around, you see these things that have stood the test of time, and it kind of inspire us. It inspires us because they seem to testify to an endurance, to a strength, to that nobility that comes from just being able to stand. And it's so fitting that we just talked about how we are standing in the Lord and that song we just sang, because that's what we're going to be looking at in 1 Thessalonians, about how we're called to stand in the Lord. So here Bibles, we are going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Now just to catch you up, if you have not been here as we've been going through this book, we've talked through uh, the first couple of uh, chapters here. We talked about how uh, Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica, and this is a, is a church that he wasn't able to invest in probably as much as he wanted to before he was, had to flee from riots. And so he's writing to him, and the first thing he says is, hey, I've heard about your faith, how about how it's sounding forth, and I'm so encouraged by that, and I'm praying for you to keep it up, to keep on living out your faith. We talked about in chapter 2 about how Paul talks about like kind of the, the blueprint, blueprint of discipleship as he talks about how he cares for them, and he wants them to grow and keep on investing in each other. We talked about how they received the gospel not just as a word of man, but a word from God, and how they trusted in what the apostles were bringing was the truth that came from God, and how they were standing firm. And he longed to be with these people in Thessalonica, and he loved them, and he had this true care and concern for this Christian community, and that's kind of a pattern for us to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we get to uh, chapter 3, verses 6 is kind of continuing this line of thought about how much he cares for them. And it picks up the story about how Timothy has now brought back this report to Paul for about these, these Christians in Thessalonica. And it picks up this in verse 6. It says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us, we long to see you. 
For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. When you read this, what stood out to me when, when I really saw this, this line that he says, but we live, but now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. But Paul, continuing this line of thought about how he's now saying, hey, we are living now. Why? Because we hear you are staying fast in the Lord. We hear that you are truly committed to the faith, that you are following what God has given you to follow, that you're following the word, and that is actually giving us life. It kind of breathes a fresh wind into Paul's cells as he's continuing the second missionary journey. He says, we hear that this gospel is actually taking root and growing and bearing fruit, that they are standing fast in the Lord. What does that mean? And so I think we can see that as, a, as an urge for all of us that if that's so important to Paul, it should be important for us that we are called to stand fast in the Lord. If there's one thing I would take from this little section is this fact that we are called, all Christians are called to stand fast in the Lord. That Paul was rejoicing about this fact, about these people who are doing so. What does that mean to stand fast in the Lord? To actually stand in the truth of who God is and let nothing move you. We're called to stand fast in the Lord. It's interesting, when we read the Bible, you see these postures of faith. That people uh, describe it in these ways of how we orient our life talking about blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It's these postures of faith, this, this walking, this standing, this sitting, that people describe it, the Bible authors describe life in these postures. What are you walking in? What are you standing on? What do you sit in? Psalm 1, verse 1, describes in this negative fashion that the blessed man, the person who's following God, should not be walking or standing or sitting in the ways of the sinner, the wicked, the mocker, the ways of the world opposed to Christ. But when we continue to read through the Bible, we see this posture is used to that's how we're supposed to orient our life towards God. That we're supposed to know who He is. When I was a pretty young Christian, I actually read this small little book by Watchman Nee, who's a Chinese Christian. It's a small little book that's, that's labeled, Sit, Walk, Stand. And Watchman Nee, he walks through the epistle of the uh, Ephesians, um, and he, he kind of pulls out this posture that you first sit in who Christ has made you to be. You sit in the salvation we have in the Lord, and then you start walking it out. You actually start orienting your life and who he has made you to be and in his truth against the trials and against the enemy. Now, these postures actually teach us about the Christian life. And we see that, I believe, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, these postures of the faith. So we can talk about this idea that we first sit. 
When we come to the first Thessalonians, Paul never says, hey, you're sitting in the Lord, but it's almost assumed because he's writing to Christians and he's talking about the faith and he's actually encouraging them to be strong in their faith and he's encouraged how their faith is sounding forth for all the known world. And so he's talking to people who are already sitting in the salvation of Christ. He's talking to people who already believe, who are already firm in what they believe, who are actually spreading this truth to their neighboring towns and to their neighbors in their own town. And so they're sitting firmly in who they are in Christ. And so we, we, we have to realize that when we're looking at First Learning, he never mentioned sit, but yet, the idea is already present there. And when I'm talking through this, it's, a, it's an assumption, maybe on my part, that most of us here are believers in Jesus Christ. Most of us here know the truth of who he is. And so if that's you, you are already sitting. You're firmly sitting, planted in who he made you to be. That's your orientation to him, is that you ground yourself your truth. Now, if you're, that's not you. If you're not a believer, that's not where you're sitting. Because you're most likely sitting in the ways opposed to him, the ways that Psalm 1, 1 describes. You're sitting in the seat of mockers who are scoffing at the very idea of who Christ is. The amazing thing about the gospel is that was what Jesus came to do. He he came to transplant us from sitting in one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, leading to destruction, to actually bring us and plant us to sit in his kingdom. And so if you are not, if you don't know Jesus in that way, you can. He can do that. He can bring you from a kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light and make you firmly seated there. But we see these postures of the faith throughout 1 Thessalonians, and we see this idea, of, first, of this walking. Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, we see this idea when, he's, when he says, um, I charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we have this idea of the posture already kind of in 1 Thessalonians when he starts talking about walking. Walking is a posture of faith. We actually, when I was doing this, a really quick study, at least 19 times in the New Testament, walk of your life. As you walk, you're living at what you believe in this world. It's taught throughout this Bible as this is the course and direction that we're called to walk in the ways of God, to walk in his law, to walk in love, to walk in this commitment to who he is. That's how we're called to live. How we orient ourselves towards this outside world is that we walk in our faith. But the posture that we see in this passage we read, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, is not walking and it's not sitting. Those are already kind of talked about and assumed in this epistle, but now we see how he calls us to stand fast in the Lord. That the posture that we see here is standing. When you read through the New Testament, you get the sense that it's the standing in the Lord or standing in the gospel or standing in grace. These senses of standing in the truth of who God is is used throughout all the gospel, all the epistles, throughout all the New Testament. It carries this sense that we're, we're, we're planting ourselves here and this is which we stand. So you use at least 15 times in this kind of sense of standing in the faith in the New Testament. When we think about what does it mean to stand fast in the Lord. What does it mean to stand fast in the faith? 
Well, I think you can kind of tease out. And first one kind of is associated with sitting in the Lord, sitting in, in, in who he is, is that we stand fast in the Lord in a form of placement. That we've chosen this ground. We've chosen this is the truth. These are the words of God and we stand in them. We stand on this. This is our ground. We're taking our stand here. We're placing our identity, our confidence in who God is and we stand in that. It's a sense of placement. This solid ground that instead of falling or standing on shifting ground of the world and philosophies and ideologies that are not based on God's word, we now stand firm on the truth of who God is. And we see this throughout Scripture. We see this in so many verses. In Romans 5, 2, it talks about into this grace in which you stand. Talking about we receive grace from God and we stand in it. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Paul is saying, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and which you stand. They're standing firm in the gospel, the truth of who Christ is and how he has saved us. 1 Peter 5.12 says, the true grace of God, stand firm in it, that we're standing again in this grace, this idea that God deals with us not on what we deserve, but on the basis of his idea that now we're standing in the truth of who God is. But standing fast in the Lord is not just a placement. It carries this image of a battle. That we're standing fast against an enemy that's coming against us. When you read Paul's epistles, we see this metaphor again and again of the soldiers who's standing fast against an opposing force. They're resisting. It's a picture of the Roman leader locked in step, standing fast against whatever came at them. And we get the sense again when it says to stand fast in the Lord, it's this idea that there's a battle raging and we stand fast. Forces are opposed against us. There's an enemy coming towards us and we stand fast. We don't let anything move us. Again, we see this throughout the New Testament. In Romans 11, it talks about how you stand fast through faith. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about how you stand firm in your faith. You don't let things move you. Galatians talks about staying firm. When we come to Ephesians chapter 6, we see how we're called to put on the full armor of God. Why? So we can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. That we stand fast against these things. We're standing against opposing stand in the truth placed in the truth of who Christ is, and now standing firm against the enemy. But it's not just that we're standing placed in this truth or that we're fighting against the enemy, but this stand fast carries this idea of endurance or steadfastness, that no matter what's going to happen, we too stand and we bear because we know the truth of God, and so no matter what comes against us, we will not be moved. It carries this idea that no matter what enemy, what the enemy throws at us, no matter what the world brings against us, no matter what comes against us from society or the world's sake, we stand firm and we will not be moved if we actually mature in our faith as we're standing fast. Colossians talks about it, that you may stand mature, fully assured of the will of God. This idea that we're steadfast, that we endure that we can stand in Christ, and because we're standing in Christ, we can outlast whatever 
comes against us as we stand in him. Finally, when we think about standing in the Lord, just like when we think about walking out Christ's law or his love, this does not come from our own power or our own strength. When Paul says, I hear that you're standing fast in the Lord, he's not saying, you guys are a rock star. Faith that has taken root in their life based on grace and knows that it's because of God that they stand fast. That the only people who can stand fast against the test of time, against the forces of the evil, against the world, are those who are firmly planted in the truth of the gospel. As we are changed from the inside out, we can stand firm, and no matter what comes for us, we know that God has placed us here, and it's God who's behind us, in front of us, and to the side of us, keeping us strong. That when we talk about standing firm in, in the Lord or staying fast in the Lord, we know this fact that God has put us there. He is the one who gives us the strength and the ability to do so. And we see that throughout the Bible. We see that in Romans 14 when it says, for the Lord is able to make him stand. That if you want to stand firm and fast in God, we lean on the Lord. We lean on Christ because he is the one who gives us the ability to do so. And so we get this image in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, of standing fast in the Lord. Christians who are firmly committed to the truth and have placed themselves there. Christians who know that the world, the enemy, is going to war against them until they stand fast against that. Christians who know that this is this life who is behind it, we know our God, and so we rejoice in that, and so we are actually given the ability to endure and to keep on standing fast and finally knowing that it comes from our God for it's his strength that gives us the ability to stand fast. Stand fast in the Lord. Well, what does that look like to stand fast in the Lord? What would it look like to do that? We can think of some general principles that might look like it's saying true to the gospel. That we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to earth, born from the Virgin Mary, born as a, as a truly human child, but yet without sin. That this, this child would grow up and would be the Savior of all who believe in him. That this child would go to the cross, a death that he did not deserve, but a death that we deserve as sinners. But he would go to the cross and die for us. After living a perfect life, righteous before God, that this Savior would die for us so that on him our sins would be laid on him by God the Father. And in his place, now we get his righteousness. So that now those who believe in Jesus can stand righteous before an almighty God. We believe those truths. The gospel. What does it, stand, what does it look like to stand firm? Is that we don't weigh how we should live or how we should operate in this world, but we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, the Savior, the author of our faith. We stay true. Meaning that we pick up our Bibles and we know them. And we stay true to the Word of God. That we don't let outside ideas and thoughts kind of influence us to where we're going to become more and more like the world that's opposed to Christ. But rather, we let the Bible saturate our very soul so that we become more like Him. As we seek to know Him and grow with Him as the Spirit is working in us from the inside out. What does it look like? 
to stand fast in the Lord? It might look like walking to a different beat than the world around us. That when you are going to work, when you're talking to your friends, when you're in your neighborhood, wherever you might be, you're not living like a world that does not know Christ. That you know him, you operate your whole life with the truth of who he is, and so you're free to love deeply, serve boldly, care for other people, and you want to tell people about who he is. You walk a little differently than the world around us. As we stay true, we're not swayed by those false ideas that can creep in to wherever we are. We're not, we're not giving in to the things happy in this life, but we know the truth of who he is. That we actually can stand fast so much that we can look back on a life of service, a life of love, because he has moved in us. What does it look like to stand fast in the Lord? Well, I thought of some examples to live out those general principles. Back in the, in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther was kind of coming to grips of what it means to be saved by grace, and he was being challenged, and he's being challenged that the Word is actually authority. It's not tradition, or it's not what uh, a church council might say, but it's the Word, and he's, being, uh, he's coming to grips with that. Very short, he, in a big kind of, a, a, kind of a, a meeting where they're kind of pressuring him to change his mind, what is his response? He says, Hey, here I stand. I can do no other. So help me, God. Amen. He says, Here I stand. What he was saying is that, hey, the word is his source. The word is his authority. The word is what he judges how the Christian life was belief in life is supposed to be supposed to be worked out. And he cannot budge from that. That is someone who stood fast in the Lord. We can think of one of the first missions. Uh, Christian uh, uh, martyrs from the first century, Polycarp, uh, a disciple of John, and how he went to his faith to say, I don't believe. What does he respond? He says, 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How could I bless him, my king and savior? So he went to his death. He stood fast in the Lord. But we can look at more modern examples. People who believe in the, the, the actual biblical teaching of what marriage is, and so they actually carry that teaching into their, their workplace, and a cake baker who has been in lawsuits for over 10 years and says, this is where I'm standing because this is the truth of God, and I'm not going to move from it. Or even more recently, our neighbors to the north who because of COVID shut down churches and wouldn't let people back in, and so there are Canadian pastors who went to jail. Why? Because they said, Meeting together is a requirement and part of what it means to be Christians is that we crave for the assembly of God. And so we gather together and they are willing to go to jail for their belief. These are people who stood fast in the truth of God. We could even disagree with how they were staying fast, but they were staying fast in the truth of God. We can look overseas and we see brothers and sisters in so many countries who have to hide from the authorities, have to hide from people who are going to bust in their doors and drag them to prison, but they stand fast in the Lord as they know they're supposed to meet you. Know, and they stand fast in the Lord. What does standing fast in the Lord look like? It's when we know the truth of who God is and it's so central to our life that we let nothing move us. 
Nothing is going to change our mind. Nothing is going to keep our eyes off of Christ. Nothing is going to make us stop loving people like we're called to love people. Nothing is going to stop making us not serve people like we're called to serve people. Nothing is going to shut our mouths when we know we're supposed to declare the glories and the excellencies of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now what does standing fast in the Lord look like? It's that we stand on this truth and we can do no other. There is no other option for us. We stand firmly rooted in the truth of who God is. And we know that truth and we speak it with love to everyone around us. Stand fast in the Lord. It's a daunting command. It's a daunting idea. But guess what? You are never meant to do it alone. If you hear that and you said, man, I have to stand, I have to do this first. First of all, you didn't hear the part about it. It's not you. Empowers you to walk in his faith. Yes, and he empowers you to stand firm in his truth. But moreover, if you think you're on alone and you ha- all alone and you have to do it on your own, no, it was never meant to be a solo project. That standing fast happens in community. When Paul is using those metaphors as a soldier, again, he's not just looking at the one singular soldier, he's looking at a regiment, a battalion, standing in lockstep, linked together, shields linked, fighting a common enemy that you depended upon your brothers around you. You stood firm. And when he's talking about these Christians, how he's looking at them and how he's so thrilled that they're standing fast in the Lord, he's seeing a community of faith standing fast with each other. It's a community project because he even talks about how he longs again to see him. Why? To supply what is lacking in their faith. Not the idea that somehow they're not full Christians or they're lacking in their faith itself, but to, to supply what they need to continue to stand firm, to be there, to be part of the church together, to stand firm against whatever comes their way. That he knows is not just about individuals, it's about the church together. In that case, it's not even just about the local church. It's about churches together, believing together, working together, being a witness to community helps us to stand. That we stand fast in this truth. We stand fast in who he has called us to be. Stand fast in the Lord. So the only question left for us is, will you stand? Is this you? Are you a believer who's standing fast in the Lord? What does that mean for you? Maybe there's some ways in which you can check yourself and what it means for your life. But first and foremost, it's this idea that you are firmly rooted in who Christ is. You're firmly rooted in the gospel. You know the fact that Christ has saved you, that he has paid for your sins, that he's made you new, that you've been adopted into the family of God, that you are now ushered into the throne room of the heavenlies, and that you are seen as the beloved son or daughter of God himself because of Christ. If you believe in Christ, you stand firmly rooted in that truth. Are you rooted in that truth? Will you let nothing move you or sway you from the truth of the gospel? If you're going to stand, it has to start there. You have to know who Christ is and how he's changed you and how he's working you to be conformed to the image of his son. 
You stand firm in who he is. There's so many examples when we read the... You know, we read those examples and we're kind of like, what are you thinking? You have seen so much about who God is and yet you still stand on the fence? I love how um, uh, Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal, right? And before he's confronting the prophets of Baal and Mark Carmel, he looks at the Israelite people and he kind of... He kind of uh, gives them what's for, you know? He looks at him and goes, how long are you going to continue limping between this and that? Thinking somehow you can dabble with Yahweh and then somehow dabble with Baal. If he is God, worship him. And if he is God, worship him. And then he proves who is God as fire comes down on their sacrifice. And so often we want to look at our brothers and sisters. We want to look at ourselves. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I want to look at myself and say, how long do you think you can dabble with this or walk in that way? If God is God, follow him. How often do we need to say that to ourselves? And we need to choose who we're going to serve. We're going to be firmly rooted in the gospel of Christ. Let us stand fast in the Lord and let us be rooted in him. Then let's link arms with our brothers and sisters. We find a fellowship of believers, a family of believers like this one right here, that we can link arms with one another and be stand fast together. Because when one fails, the other ones can hold them up and pick them back up. And together we can be strong. Together we can serve God, but we hold fast. We link our arms together with this community. So often, I think, maybe it's the world we live in in, in, this, in the West, in America, where we're so individualized. We're so seeking our own experiences. We're so doing our own things. We kind of are kind of individual pockets in this community where the Bible speaks of a community. The Bible speaks of a family. The, the Bible speaks of the assembly, to being together and how we actually help each other, that we actually... Uh, encourage one another, exhort one another, love one another, serve one another, bear one another's sins, that we are together in this with one another for the glory of God. And that's what we're called to do is link arms so that we can actually be stirred to love by one another as we seek to honor God. That we know we have people on our left and our right and behind us and in front of us who are going to keep us safe and keep us on track because we have linked arms with a community that loves God. So will you stand firm? Will you be firm? sisters so that you're ready to stand firm? And then will you be ready and prepared? So I don't know if you know this. When we stand firm for Christ, there are forces that don't want us to do so. There's a way of the world. When I say the way of the world, the way, the system of thought as opposed to Jesus Christ as Lord, and they don't want us to stand firm. They don't want us to stand firm on, our, 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 on the truth of the word, and so they'll come against us and try to move us. There's a spiritual reality that there is an enemy whose whole job is to try to take your eyes off of Christ. And so when you stand firm, when you're rooted in the gospel, when you're linked with community, when you're ready to stand firm, fast in the Lord, guess what happens? There will be conflict. There will be pressure against you. 
There'll be pressure to take your eyes off of Christ. There'll be pressure to be envious of those ways those other people live. There'll be pressure to maybe undermine the truth of who God is by undermining his word. There'll be pressure, and we must be prepared to stand firmly rooted together as a community of Christ, knowing the truth. So stand fast in the Lord. So will you stand and in it knowing it's not about your own ability or your own strength to stand firm to the end but it's about the truthfulness and the glory of him who gives you ability to stand my prayer my hope for this church is that we can be a church that stands fast in the lord that whatever squabbles, whatever infighting we might have with one another, it could be over carpet color or it could be other, other things, but it will never be over who Christ is. It will be never over the truth of the gospel. My prayer is they won't be that. Why? Because if you are a member of the church, if you are belonging here in this church, we stand fast together on the gospel of Christ. And we let nothing move us. So let us stand. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your truth, for your word. The word in which we can stand, the truth in which we can stand, that we can stand fast in who you are, in your love, your grace, your gospel. Lord, I pray for everyone here, everyone who calls River Valley home. For, all, for any guests who might be here. I pray that all of us who know the truth of Jesus can stand in that truth, commit themselves to the Lord. I pray for them that they can, that if they're feeling anything about looking into who Christ is, that they can, they can talk to someone here, they can talk to someone who may have brought them about the glories of Christ. They can stand fast in who he is. Lord, we love you, we seek you, we, we are thrilled that it's not about our own strength, but it's about you who does it. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. So, will you stand? That's a tough question that Adam asked. That was not my intention.